0: Welcome to the Stage Break Podcast, the weekly show that follows the NASCAR Cup Series and gives you the information you need before heading into the race weekend. Let's get things going and talk some racing. Episode number six is underway. My name is Josh, and I'd like to welcome you back to the stage break. Martinsville Speedway, what's your thoughts on last week's race? Does NASCAR need to make some changes? We'll also be looking at uh, some questions that you sent in. We'll be answering those today, and we'll be starting a new four-part series called the 100 Win Club. It's an elite list of cars with over 100 wins attributed to that car number. We'll begin that series today. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for checking out the show. Really hope you enjoy your time spent with us on the stage break. Well, let's start with Martinsville and taking some time to recap what happened there. Just to give you my observations on the race, Um, I expected more tire fall-off than we got, and it was really very little tire fall-off that was really evidenced from the cars that either took two tires or the cars that stayed out entirely uh, at cautions and were able to get the track position from that strategy, which is normal. But what's not normal is for them to be able to retain the majority of the positions that they got for an extended amount of time. So there, there really wasn't much tire fall-off to be had. Uh, the common consensus amongst a lot of drivers, from what I've been able to hear and read online is that it's very difficult to pass. Um, and uh, it seemed that the crew chief strategy was more important than a driver's racecraft. And what I mean by that is the race was won more off of a strategic decision from the pit box, more so than it was uh, from the driver being able to get his car where he wanted it and to wheel it into the position he wanted it to to it just it seemed more in the crew chief's hands than it did in the driver's hands now obviously the driver still has a big role to play he's the one behind the steering wheel and so he has to execute his part but it seemed not that difficult to execute it just it seemed like it was you do you, you know hit your marks make sure you don't make a mistake, we'll be fine. And uh, it seemed like a lot of people were doing that, which led to not very many passing. So that kind of brings us to the question of why is it so hard to pass there? What what was the reason for that? I think there's a couple things. One, uh, equal cars. That's the product of this next-gen car, the Gen 7 car, is that um, it's evened the playing field out uh, tremendously to where uh, what would typically be uh, 36 place or, you know, 20, you know, mid pack back would be multiple laps down. Um, now I think there were only a handful of cards, maybe, maybe, you know, three to four cars that went multiple laps down or a lap down. There were more than there were one, but fewer cars that were multiple laps down compared to the the lead lap cars. So it's just, it's just more even the, the, the cars with the, um, Components that they have to purchase that are single source, uh, making it to where um, the majority of not the majority all the cars have similar parts, similar construction, similar builds, and it it evens the playing field out. So that's part of it. But uh, from what another part of it is what we've already addressed, and that is that the lack of a tire fall off. Uh, Joey Logano mentioned this on SiriusXM Radio this week. Kevin Arvik was pretty open about it. I believe Denny Hamlin addressed this and probably more drivers uh, just talking about how because there is no tire fall off uh, it really makes it difficult to pass people and why would that make it difficult? Well if you're a driver and you uh, know that your tires are going to be good for a handful of laps if you run hard or you can manage those tires better let some people pass you uh, let them burn off their tires, but then you know that in five to 10, 15 plus laps, you're going to be able to pass them back and keep on going. You know that that leaves the race in your hands. and that is possible due to tire fall off. So without that, you know, these drivers are just kind of running at a hundred percent the entire time and it makes it to where the only way you can get track position is either through, strategic decisions from pit strategy, cautions the way they fall, or from someone in front of you make a mistake and you're able to capitalize on it. So that's where these drivers are at. That's, that's the situation they're in and it's led to some discussion, a lot of discussion this week, about uh, whether or not NASCAR needs to make some changes. Um, and the common idea is for um, that the, the, the cars need more horsepower, um, that, that was Joey's thoughts whenever he was being interviewed. They need more horsepower and a tire that's not as good. A tire that does fall off, uh, loses grip over time, not just a tire that remains the same. So uh, that, that's that's what would be helpful, I think, for, for these cars. They need more horsepower, need more ability to rough them up, but then you need the tire to also not work as well. And that combination, I think would um, would help this situation. However, uh, that's going to take some time. So, uh, you know, from uh, some of the uh, crew chiefs and uh, guys that are in the know about what that would entail to take on that task, they're saying it's a year to year and a half to build these engines with the proper components that can withstand, uh, a, you know, more horsepower. So... It's not just something that they can fix for next week. It's a pretty big thing to fix overall. However, I think that's maybe what they need to do. So um, it's not that the car is broken. We'll talk more about that later. It's not, it's not that the, uh, the, the car is the problem. I, th- I think it's just they need to find the right combination of things to work in this scenario, um, specifically in these uh, short tracks, uh, to be able to increase that. All right, let's start a new segment, which we haven't had a chance to do yet. And we'll, we'll just call it for now the mailroom, the place where your questions get answered on this show. And um, a couple of times I've sent out uh, some, uh, you know, a post on Instagram, a story asking you all for questions that you would like answered. And I got a response this week. So looking forward to answering your questions today. The, the one question came from my friend Caleb, uh, who's with Bottom Shelf Diecast. You have to check out his account. Just a shout-out to him. He does some really cool diecast models that are uh, you know custom-made, unique ones that you, you won't find on a store shelf. So be sure to check his account out. He's got some cool stuff on there. Some really cool stories, too. I think he's got a diecast that's sitting in Dale Jr.'s studio for his show that he does that uh, that he custom made for for Dale, so that's really cool. But he sent in a question, and the question is this: What are the three biggest things that need to be fixed in NASCAR today? And that was a that's a heavy question because it's like, well, I mean, I enjoy racing; it's great, but I don't know what what are these things that need to be fixed. And I kind of came down to the the hot button items that have been up to or that have been coming up. Uh, in the news and social media in the last few weeks. The, the biggest one is very clearly the penalty and the appeal system. There just seems to be a lot of confusion there. Now, I think they've been making some changes to that even this week. So that's good. They're making progress on it. But uh, th- just, there seems to be inconsistencies. Uh, there seems to be a lot of confusion on why... These cars are getting penalties, and then the appeal system. Why are their appeals? Uh, why are they changing to different outcomes? Now, I, I know they've addressed that, but initially, it didn't address that. Uh, it, I think overall, there just needs to be some transparency and consistency across the board uh, for for the cars. If a car breaks a rule, penalize them. Like that's the whole point of the system. Do that. I'm not saying remove the the penalty system. Use the penalty system. But it just needs to be fair and consistent for every driver, every scenario. And I think they're doing a good job with that. I think there's just maybe more going on behind the scenes that we don't know about that makes it confusing. So we have to take that with a grain of salt. So, But I think overall, some transparency would help us understand why they make the decisions that they make. So if they were just more transparent with us um, and just this is why we made the decision that we made and the same with the uh, appeal system, you know, this is why we enforce this rule. This is why we deducted driver points or enforced uh, a fine. And, you know, if, if, if we just got some consistency with that and uh, some transparency, I think that would help a really good bit. All right, so moving on to the second thing that I think NASCAR needs to fix today, and that is the driver's etiquette. You know, there's a there's a lot of aggression on the track. Um, there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions that are being made that, in my opinion, are not very classy. Not They're just kind of, you know, you, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back harder. And I think in racing, there's a place for that but not to the degree that we're seeing right now. It, I think that uh, there just needs to be a better level of respect amongst the drivers, and that's that's kind of a phrase you're going to hear a lot if you have been listening to these conversations or you do look it up. There's, you know, the, the garage has lost respect. Uh, the drivers don't have respect anymore. Uh, I, I think that there needs to be a, a lot more respect shown on the track. One, just for... I think those times when a driver gets mad and just flat-out wrecks somebody, that's just, uh, okay, that, that stirs the pot a lot, but that doesn't really help the race get any better. You know, it causes drama. It causes us to talk about it on shows like this, but it doesn't make the race any better. Uh, so that doesn't really benefit that, and the reality is you're messing with people's well-being and you know potentially injuring somebody because you're short fused as a driver and that's just i don't think that's right so the, the driver's etiquette thing i think needs to improve there needs to be a greater level of respect shown to the each to the other drivers and to each other and the thing is that has to start with the drivers That can't start with nascar they can't enforce that uh they, they can't say hey drivers you need to tone it down and, and that's just taking them back to you know, high school where they have rules and that's not where these guys are at. They need to all jump on this bandwagon and say, you know what, uh, enough's enough. You know, we can, we can move each other out of the way without just completely taking each other out. There's a right way to do this. And I just don't think that what we've been seeing uh, with, as far as the aggression levels and the retaliation and to the degree of the retaliation that we're seeing, I just don't think that's where we want to be as a sport uh, I, don't, I don't really enjoy that. Like, you know, the, the other night, with if you watch the truck race when Carson Josevar just, I think it was Tanner Gray, he tried to wreck and he ended up wrecking himself. Um, I mean, they, that wasn't even close. I mean, one moment the truck's driving fairly straight and then the next moment it hooks left really hard. Um, it's obvious what he was doing. He's trying to wreck that guy. And that's just not very sportsmanlike, you know. It, you got a problem with it find another opportunity later in the race after you cool down and get a better evaluation on what actually happened instead of just, you know, re reacting and uh, just taking it out on the guy. You know, I just think that would make for a better overall appearance in the sport. I think that would make for better racing and it'd be kind of give you some anticipation as uh, a spectator of, Oh man, he's not happy. Uh, I wonder when something's going to happen as opposed to it's happening right now, I, I would be glued to the TV a little bit more. And we saw a lot of that last year between Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain because whenever they are near each other, we're like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? So, you know, if, if we just showed a, you know, if the drivers showed a little bit more respect for each other, some more self-control and being able to pick and choose when they respond to a rough situation they've been put in, I think that would, that would that would make a better race, in my opinion. So that's the second thing. The third thing that I think NASCAR needs to address is the car itself. And as I said earlier, the Gen 7 car is not the problem. Uh, the, the car is really, really awesome, in my opinion. I love like how it's, it's modular. I love the single-source part idea. It evens the playing field out to where the majority of the field can be more competitive, Uh, I just think that the race needs to be in the driver's hands, or at least a combination between the driver and the crew chief. So that it's not just the crew chief that wins the race because he put his driver in a good spot, and it's not just the driver alone. I feel like it's a a team sport, right? So it, it needs to incorporate both and I think the race last week at Martinsville, as I said earlier, was won primarily by the crew chief, by the pit strategy, and um, and by the driver, too, by being consistent and, and keeping himself into the place that he needed to be all race long. But ultimately, it was pit strategy that led to Kyle Larson being able to get to where he was and being able to capitalize on it. So I think the but ultimately I think it needs to come back to the driver. I mean the 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 crew chief can get his driver into whatever position he wants to be in. He can get him to the lead. But if the driver doesn't make all the right decisions and take care of his car, take care of his tires, manage it well, uh, then he shouldn't be the, the winner of the race. So obviously Kyle Larson won last week. He deserved that win because he won. He he did execute. I just think it needs to be harder to execute. So the car's not bad. It's it's an awesome car. I love how, it, you know, it's symmetrical now. It's better for road courses. I think they've made a ton of improvements on the car. It made it so much better for the sport and um, and they just look awesome. So that's that's great. The car's not the problem. I think they just need to tweak it again. Make it harder to uh, make it harder to win and make it to where there is that more tire fall off make it to where the race ultimately comes down to the driver to where he has to decide what to do when to do it and he has to execute it well it's not just 100% and don't make a mistake and I think that's where we're at right now in a lot of these tracks so they need to to make it to where you've got to decide do I run 80% do I run 60 70%? Do I run 95% for two laps and then back it down? Not just, all right, let's not make a mistake today. I, right? I think that's where it needs to be at. So those are the three things, the penny appeal system, driver etiquette, and the Gen 7 car. They make those adjustments. I think we'll have a lot of cool stuff going on. Would you like more from the stage break? Then be sure to check us out on Instagram. You'll find additional content posted throughout the week and on race day. Get show sneak peeks, make your prediction for who will win the race, participate in questions and answers for the show, enter giveaways, and more. Check it out today at the Stage Break Podcast. Again, that's on Instagram at the Stage Break Podcast. Now, back to the show. All right, let's start this new four-part series called the 100 Win Club. Starting off today, basically there are only four cars, four active driving cars that have over 100 wins attributed to that car number, and that's a that's a exclusive list of cars that uh, have crested that that milestone, gotten those 100 wins. So we're going to be looking at the four cars. Uh, One, uh, it might be. You know the next four weeks, we'll see. But uh, basically, just looking at uh, these cars and a little bit of the history of the car and the stats of how they got there, some fun facts, that kind of thing. I just think it'd be cool to do to look at um, these these uh, you know historically successful car numbers and learn a little bit about them. So the first car that we're going to look at is the number two car. The number two car has 101 wins. Uh, Obviously, it's Team Penske, currently driven by Austin Sindrick, who was the 2022 Daytona 500 winner. Brad Keselowski put them at 100 wins at the Spring Talladega race in 2021. Uh, But they currently have 101 wins because of that 500 win by Austin Sindrick. Now, here's some history of the number two car, some, some stats for you. It has competed in 2,031 races. Has, again, 101 wins, 934 top 10s, which this didn't cross my mind until now, but that's almost half of the races are top 10s. Not quite, but really close. That's pretty impressive. And it has 71 polls. Uh, when you look at the season statistics for this car number, looking at some of the uh, like the, the history of how successful they were, through different seasons uh, historically, they've got three five-win seasons. The first five-win season they had was back in 1980, and that was when Dale Earnhardt was driving for the number number two team. Then it happened again with Rusty Wallace in 1996, and again in 2012 with Brad Keselowski. Now there's a six-win season that they have, and that was also with Brad Keselowski in 2014, and then there's an eight win season with Rusty Wallace in 1994, and a 10 win season and Rusty Wallace again in 1993. So, those are that's a number of really good, successful seasons that they've had. And when you look at some notable drivers, five of them are on the list here, and we've already t- addressed, I think, three of them. And that is Rusty Wallace has a total of 37 wins in the two car. Brad Keselowski has a total of 34 wins in the two-car. Kurt Busch has eight wins. Bobby Allison has seven wins. And then Dale Earnhardt, six wins. He uh, he raced with them, you know, not very long, but he had uh, one win in one season, and then I think it was the next season they had that five-win season. So that's pretty cool that, uh, they, that these guys, you know, Dale Earnhardt, Bobby Allison, Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski, Rusty Wallace. I mean, these are icons in the sport. Uh, these are these are very well-known names that uh, just about anybody that likes NASCAR would have at least heard of, um, if not uh, cheered for at some point. And uh, that's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins that these guys have been able to put together for this two cars. So kudos to them, and uh, we'll see what they can do moving on into the future. So looking ahead we've got the Geico 500 at Talladega Super Speedway 2.66 miles of non-stop action and I think I mean there's there's no predicting we know what's going to happen it's going to be typical super Speedway racing you're going to have the aggression you're going to be having having the the fighting for stage points probably every stage I and mean, not obviously every stage but probably the majority Uh, of the stages themselves, Um, you know, maybe the second to third stage, because they're a little longer, you're going to have some single file stuff. But, uh, you know, these guys, especially Daytona, I think they were side by side more than the commentators anticipated. I think we're going to see that again here at Talladega and uh, just super competitive, super aggressive. There's a lot of a lot of drivers that are hungry for a win. And uh, I think this is a place where all of them know that they can do it it's just a matter of which one actually does it and also looking out for that big one uh that big wreck uh, we we love to see the wrecks so um i think i think we're going to see that again uh, again the uh these drivers the uh, aggression levels are high the competitiveness is high and that's that's eventually going to result in one car getting into another car and uh making a little bit of a mistake and resulting in that crash. I think we're going to see it um, once, at least once, but uh, maybe more. So it's going to be a good race. I'm excited about it. So who are the ones to watch this weekend? Uh, Well, I talked about the number two car and having 101 wins. I think the two car could do it again. Austin Sendrick does really well at these super speedways. Uh, Won the Daytona 500 last year. So, uh, he, he's a contender and, and really I could probably list every car and it would be a contender at some point in the race. So just take that for what it's worth. But Austin Sendrick, I think would do well. Joey Logano, he's just got the experience and typically, uh, really fast at super speedways. So when you mix a fast car with a guy who knows what he's doing, uh, has good decision-making skills and being able to anticipate what, uh, Um, you know, what's coming up ahead of them with a crew and a spotter, um, uh, chemistry that they have. I think that's a really good combination. So Joey Logano, I think, would probably be up there too. Bubba Wallace in the 23, you know, his first win in the Cup Series was here at Talladega. Now it was rain-shortened. However, a win's a win, so he won here. Uh, And I think uh, we see him always really aggressive at Super Speedway's uh, especially super speedways, but uh, I think he can he could be competitive um, and potentially contend for that win at the end. And then my pick to win, and this is kind of um maybe uh not a popular pick, but I'm gonna pick Corey LaJoy to win this weekend in the number seven car. He's been strong at other super speed and he's been stronger and stronger this entire season. I mean you're seeing him in the top fifteen top 10, uh, making some really good runs. So I think they're making some really good strides in their organization. Uh, I, I think a super speedway is just kind of, again, it's an even playing field even more so for these drivers. Uh, you know, he almost won at Atlanta. Uh, he, he um, at this, this uh, last year, and then this year, again, he was, uh, towards the front in Atlanta uh, I, I just think he may put it all together. We'll see. And, and I'm, I'm a sucker for an underdog story. So, you know, you give me a car that uh, typically doesn't do well, hasn't done well, and all of a sudden they're up towards the front, I'm rooting for them. I'm just going to. So Corey LaJoy, if he gets towards the front, he's the one I'm going to be uh, rooting for, and uh, we'll see how he does. Um, typically, I do make a post on Sundays. Uh, on Instagram, uh, on a story to, to get your input of who you think will win the race. Um, you know, feel free to do that. I haven't gotten a lot of response on that, but uh, you know if you're listening now and you watch the race, check out the Instagram page. I'm sure I'll put something up there. I'd love to get your thoughts on who you think is going to win, and, and I'll put up a, a second post that uh, has a kind of a tally list of all the names uh, that are being uh, sent in, and uh, we'll, we'll see who wins. Maybe, uh, maybe one of us will pick the right guy. So, Uh, Be sure to check that out, and uh, looking forward to it on Sunday. Well, thank you so much for sticking around, listening to the show. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, as we've already talked about. And if you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe and send it on to someone else you know so that they can enjoy the show also. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the race at Talladega, and we'll catch you at the next Stage Break.